Welcome to the Share Chair podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. Eldon, welcome to the Share Chair podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Eldon, I mean, we were just saying, coming in here, you're, you, you're an alum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of times we interview students, but you're a Spring Lake alum. You graduated six years ago. Yeah, 2012. In 2012. So almost seven now. Almost, yeah, that's true, it'll be yeah, six and a half years ago. Now, at the moment, I feel the most in tune with myself ever, but it didn't come easily. It came from, I came back to the U.S. six months ago, and, like, I l- touched my feet down in America, and it was like the world said, "All, sorry, the file of your life, it's corrupted. We didn't have a backup. Sorry, should have used Google Docs. Your paper's gone. <laughs> Because I had, well, screw it. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So I got arrested in 2015 when I was in college for something that was nonviolent, and I was never charged with it. And I thought I was exonerated because the whole situation was pretty atypical, non-standard. And I thought, okay, the Ann Arbor police just don't want to pursue it. I came in and out of the country multiple times over the intervening years. Got pulled over for a speeding ticket, and nobody says anything. And I get to Chicago's airport, they pull me aside, put me in like the, what is it, like the border control place with a bunch of people who have visa issues, and I'm sitting there like, is it because I was in Russia? Like, really? Just let me get home. And two police officers come, they start going through my bags, they say, have you ever been arrested? And I was like, (laughs) define arrested. And they told me that just earlier in May of this year, about 10 days before I arrived, that charge finally came through. Which is unbelievable. So I started talking to a lawyer, everything, and it's mess. I have to go to court in Ann Arbor next Wednesday for it, but like, there's sudden. Wait, this just happened like, like May of 2018. Uh, oh, I was charged with a crime from June of 2015. So three years after. Three years oh, after three I'm years charged, after. and now there's no video from the police cruiser and all these things. So it's this long, difficult legal battle that in the worst case, would only end with me having probation, but I don't want to die an unjust death regardless. Help me, under, help me with timeline yeah. stuff. So you graduate, you've, you're, you've gone to college, you go to college, you graduate from Spring Lake, yeah, go, and you go to college. Yeah, I go to University of Michigan uh, in the fall of 2013. I'm there for... Two years, and then in the fall of 2015, I did one semester abroad in Stockholm. Okay. Then I come back January of 2016, finish December 2016, move to Russia, get kind of delayed on the way. I got stuck in Poland for three months living in a hostel because the Russian government lost my visa. And then from March of 2017 until April of 2018, I lived in Russia. Then April of 2018 until late May of 2018, I lived in Berlin. And then I'm back in Spring Lake late May 2018. Arrested. Having been arrested. Having, having been... Having been arrested on charged. June, yeah, anyway. having been charged from an arrest in June of 2015. Okay. All right. So that travel... Would I so the Sweden, the Poland, although that wasn't the expectation, <laughs> the Russia, the Berlin, had to have an effect on yeah the on your understanding of who you were 
yeah, would you the, say? The big moving to Stockholm when I did was like one of the biggest changes because suddenly I'd never been anywhere. I didn't own a passport. I went to we drove to Florida once when I was in fifth grade and went to um, SeaWorld. So <laughs> that that was the extent of my travel up yeah. until that point. And because of that, my horizons were incredibly narrow. And I think that was a huge source of conflict in my life was the internal part of me has these big dreams and wants and needs and looks out the window and it's just a dead end. And you go, well, what am I going to do? It was what I did when I was in high school. I was like, am I really going to go get a six-figure job and move back here and live on the lake and just like eat at the Village Baker every day until I throw myself off the bridge? Is that really what my life's going to be? Because the prospect of that was terrible, but I didn't know anything else. And then when I was in college, I was thinking like, college is supposed to be the best four years of your life. I don't know about that yeah. <laughs> because I just, what, again, what felt... Was yeah, we, a similar thing to high school, even after the weight loss. Like... Yeah, because the thing was you lose a bunch of weight, but then it's like your body, but you don't know it yet. It's like a full body prosthesis where everyone's like, wow, looking good or whatever. And I don't know how to act. I look like I'm not a fat kid anymore, but on the inside, I'm still a fat kid, 100%, and it took a really long time for that to change, and it wasn't until I think I had enough situations where I was in a completely novel space. So in high school, you worry about the fact that something you do, your freshman year might follow you until your senior year or something, or if you get ostracized or you're weird, you're labeled and that's it. And then in college, that's not the case, but at the same time, there's certain uh, certain feeling that until you find people that are doing what you like to do, that you don't, you still don't feel in the right place yet. So mm -hmm. being in Ann Arbor, I loved it. There was so much culture and difference and things. I'd meet people like, wait, you can do what? Yeah. You're studying what? Yeah. Your dad's a what? And that was totally new to me, but I felt there was like part of me that felt I didn't have access to it. Like, mm -hmm. no, 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 I'm just a kid from Spring Lake. Like, yeah. I don't, all these kids who are from New York who talk about that their dad runs an art gallery in Soho, I go, okay, cool, but that's for you, that's not for me, because I'm not a kid from New York whose dad runs an art gallery in Soho. So I felt like completely extricated from the Venn diagram of possibility in that way. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you travel. Yeah, and then Does I that start to change that? Or? Absolutely, because it was the first nail in the coffin of like what people tell you isn't what reality is. So I went to Sweden and I was like, oh man, people really don't like that word socialism in America. But it's pretty cool because maternity leave, paternity leave, healthcare, education, everyone seems happy, everyone gets a living wage. How nice. And so it wasn't necessarily that suddenly I got a hammer and sickle tattooed on my chest, but I went, oh, maybe what you hear is only a small percentage of reality. And maybe the notions that I have, I need to challenge a little more. So my whole life, I felt like an outsider. And then I went to Russia and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is what it's like being on the outside because I only speak the language at an intermediate level. I could only be an English as a second language teacher. I had the woman who sponsored my visa who I worked for named Yelena Nezhevaya, which literally means like Ellen the Unliving. She was an 82-year-old woman 
who had this small failing school that I worked at and she hated me. I don't know why, but she hated me. Whether it's the tattoos or the whatever, she hated me. And she would always like threaten to cancel my visa, hmm. which I learned that she couldn't do only after the first few times. And then she once threatened to cancel my girlfriend's visa. And it was like, at one point, I, I couldn't take it anymore. But then I realized, like, well, it doesn't matter. Because the worst thing that happens is I just moved to America or whatever. And so living there, not being able to speak the language, it was like not getting to be, like truly not getting to be yourself. Because you go in public and someone says something to you and you have to say, like, I can't. So I walk around. I've got a degree from the number one public university in the world. I'm smart. I'm funny. I'm creative. People like me. And I can only interface with the world at like a third grade level. Yes. Yeah. So then it's like, oh yeah, look at you. Look at you and your big piece of paper. It's, it, it's not valid here. Yeah. No one knows. So I had this kind of masterclass in a year of rejection, failure, and in a way living in a sort of silence where I had to, I got more time with myself. So I didn't have the distractions of everyday life. It was kind of like a strange year-long meditation (laughs) in a way that really got me much more in touch with myself. Thank you for listening to the Share Chair podcast and be sure to tune in later this week to part two of Eldon Maynard's interview.